May I speak in the name of the one God who was and is and always will be. Amen. Morning, church. It is awesome to be here with you today on this great day. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian Lutzenberger. I am a prisoner here at Trinity, a clinical psychologist, a husband, a father of two boys, and an itinerant minister in the diocese. Today marks the beginning of a period of being in residency here at my home parish with you. For five weeks, during the forum time between the services, I will be leading us through a set of meetings I am calling Weeds to Calms. During this Lenten journey, we will be discerning pathways to greater connection with the world beyond our walls, figuring out where the weeds are, where we need more fertilizer, and what this garden has to offer to those whom we can welcome. And it's such a nice time to start thinking about gardens. Well, and for me, in particular, tomatoes. Remember tomatoes? Those big boy, the little cherry ones, Caspian pink, Paul Robeson, cosmonaut Volkov. Perhaps picked from a plant in your yard, or picked up at a farmer's market, the simple perfection of a tomato sandwich or a perfect BLT. Or maybe tomatoes aren't your thing. Sweet corn? But perhaps you can resonate with a longing for something not yet here. And I find myself in this yearning trying to pretend that the bright red orbs that I buy at the grocery store are tomatoes as the smallest hint of tomato-ness can seem to suffice a little, not enough, but something. Perhaps you've had this feeling before, the tension between the longing for something and the limitations that keep us from getting it. And sometimes, sometimes, we can push back on these limitations, doubting or not satisfied we're not accepting the no, you can't have that. Somewhere, someone must be growing the good, a good hothouse tomato, right? So push further, try harder. Connected to a deeper understanding or belief of what could be, maybe we find ourselves grasping for more, finding a lead and taking a shot in the dark. And this is where I find myself today with Nicodemus in our Gospel. I've historically taken the position that I assigned to Jesus that Nicodemus, poor guy, just didn't get it. But this Lent, in this time of preparation, as we are invited to listen deeper to the voice of God and less to the distractions of this world, I hear Nicodemus saying, help me out. I'm missing something. I want to know more. I know there's more to you. 
more to this than I am getting. He's reaching forward, pushing against his own limits, asking for help, hoping to find something deeper, something that perhaps makes more sense of what he's been feeling, seeing, dreaming. See, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews, and we have some evidence that he was a member of the High Sanhedrin, think Supreme Court, the highest court and governing body in Judea. Pharisees were highly pious, orthodox, and believed that God's will is revealed through scripture and oral tradition exclusively. And we find Nicodemus here coming to Jesus by night. And whether you imagine a fedora and trench coat meeting under a lamppost, or busting in on Jesus doing the dishes, or waking him up, or finding him in prayer, we get the impression that Nicodemus didn't want to be seen with Jesus in the daylight. And they have this fascinating exchange in which Jesus immediately cuts right to the core of the issue with this language. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And in this deft little push, I think we can hear Jesus leading Nicodemus forward. And Nicodemus goes for it, positing his conundrum how can you be born from above if you've already been born? Indeed. And here again, we can see Nicodemus pushing against his parameters. You're saying this, but I am blocked by this. Have you hit these kinds of moments before in your life where someone is offering you something, a different way of seeing things, and you just can't get it? I remember being in sixth grade, being introduced to functions. Anyone remember functions? Functions. And I, I just couldn't get my head around what they were talking about. It bugged me. I knew that I was missing something. And then a sea change happened, and I, I got it. This sea change amounted to the adaptation of a new way of thinking, a new use of language, a new perspective that my previous framework could not accommodate. As Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, he is challenging him to make a change and to view things from a new perspective, to be born into a new way of being, to believe. Believe. And by belief, Nicodemus is invited into the awareness of the Spirit, of his own spirituality. As Shakespeare offers to us through the voice of Hamlet, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. And I would add, there is more to you. Nicodemus reaches out to Jesus in the darkness into uncharted territory, into places where he has been told not to go. He brings himself 
his confusion, his longing, and I imagine a mustard seed of faith. He presents himself to Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus sees him for who he really is, for his whole self, a child of God, born of earth and spirit, holy and eternal. Nicodemus says, this is how I see me. And Jesus says, this is how God sees you. This is who you are. And in this moment, Nicodemus is converted by, with, and for the love of God. He goes on to become one of Jesus' disciples. He gives voice from the high court at Jesus' trial for the importance of Jesus' voice to be heard. He is there at the crucifixion and carries Jesus' body down from the cross. As we fragile in, and incomplete creatures that we are, as we make our way through this perilous life, how easy it can be to hold on to, how comforting to cling on to the laws that we have built, to hold on to the idea that we have figured it out, that we are protected because of what we have made. But like the still, small voice that Elijah heard, there, that night 2,000 years ago, Nicodemus found God. Found God already knowing Him. Found the God that had made Him, that made Him whole, filled with the Spirit, born from above. As I do these residencies, one of the questions that I find myself drawn to is, why do you come to church? Why are you here? What drew you out of your cozy morning to come and sit in these pews? What are you seeking? What is the darkness that you find yourself in? What calls you out of it? Perhaps you are seeking a connection. Perhaps you need to be found. Perhaps you don't know. It was the end of high school, and in a period of 14 months, over my 17 and 18 years, my parents divorced and we moved. My sister and eight other people I was close to died in a mountain climbing accident, and I moved 3,000 miles away from home to go to college. There isn't a mental health checklist or item that top marks the trauma. I was at sea. It was as if the floor beneath the floor beneath the floor vanished. When you think you can only handle so much, and then you find that there is so much more. 
and then there you are. It was the kind of struggle for me that I didn't even know, I didn't even know really how bad it was until I realized that I was being held by the hand of God, tethered by grace and the Spirit through the love and the connections that were all around me. An afternoon in the library, talking with a priest and teacher of mine about the shifting of tectonic plates, holding hands with a grieving community that responded with love and, oh, so many casseroles, finding myself assigned to a college roommate whose soul belongs to the outdoors and whose mother was a grief counselor, discovering the Episcopal community on campus, and so many more. Finding through what had been broken, through the fissures in my heart that had been split open, that it was not only the love that I was receiving that was so freely being given, but that this love was connecting with something inside of me, something in me that was reaching out to them, that what I was going through was horrible, traumatic, painful, yes, sure, but that there was something larger in me, in us, bigger than what was happening, than what had happened, that was holding, sustaining, healing, and drawing me and all of us forward beyond these wounds. And maybe let's hope that it doesn't have to take trauma for this to be revealed. That Nicodemus having gone through the night to find Jesus can mean that we don't have to. Let's cut to the chase. Maybe it can be right here. May it be, may it be, right here, right now, in this holy space where we have gathered together that this love, the love of God, the love that we find as we lean into the commandment to love one another as God loves us, this deep love of the Spirit that lives in me, lives in you, lives all around us, always, that when we get lost or are broken or trapped, God and God's love are there holding us, knowing us holy, knowing that we are holy, holy and beloved and safe.